Hello children, welcome to Coast Access Storytime. We've got a mixture today. First, we'll start with one of our dear and double dear stories. After that, we'll start a new book called Black Day by New Zealand writer David Hill. Alright, here is Riggles by Adrian Freighter. Poppy's a wriggler. As soon as she sits down, she feels a wriggle coming on. It slides up her legs, right up her back and into her ears. She tries to stop it. She really does. Stop wriggling, child, says Gwen. But Poppy can't. Sit still and eat your spinach, says Gwen. But Poppy can't. Stop squirming, child, says Gwen. Poppy squirms the spinach right off her fork. Have you got ants in your pants? asks Gwen. It's not fair. None of her friends have to eat at the table. They eat in front of TV. None of her friends have to eat spinach. They eat pizza or nachos or chips. And none of her friends have to live with their gran. It's not fair. That night, Poppy stands on her head and makes a wish. I want to be normal, want to be normal, want to be normal, she wishes. Then she somersaults into bed. Next morning, her sheets are tied in knots. She untangles herself and looks in the mirror. She looks at her skinny arms. She looks at her skinny legs. She looks at the three purple plasters on her right knee. She looks at her red hair sticking straight out from her head. I'll never be normal, she says, hopping from foot to foot. Poppy puts her head under the tap and squishes down her hair. But by school time, it's sticking up again. Stop wriggling, child, says Miss Moluba. But Poppy can't. Maths is her wriggliest subject. Stop squirming, child. Poppy squirms her six times table all over the page. Have you got ants in your pants? asks Miss Maluba. The kids all laugh. At playtime, Poppy explodes into the playground. She hopscotches, skips and swings flat out. She's the best hopscotcher, skipper and upside-down swinger in her class. But I'd rather be normal, she tells Tim. Why? he asks. At writing time, Poppy tries really hard to sit still. She concentrates on her story. I want to eat chips. I want to eat pizza. I want to be fatter. I want straight hair. I want to be normal. Poppy, I'm tired of the story, says Miss Maluba. She doesn't even notice that Poppy's only wriggled twice. Poppy, you haven't eaten your sandwiches again, says Gran when Poppy gets home from school. Poppy, you're not listening. Poppy starts spinning. She spins so fast, Gran disappears. Stop it, calls Gran. Poppy tries, but falls down and skins her left knee. Oh, Poppy, says Gran, putting on another purple plaster. I'm at my wit's end. The next day, a fat letter comes from Africa. I was a regular, writes Mum. Ask Gran. Gran nods. So I took up gymnastics and turned my wriggles into tumbles and flips. It's your birthday soon and I know how much you love river dance. So our present to you is Irish dancing lessons. Wow, says Poppy, hop-kicking around the kitchen table. River dance? Look out, calls Gran. Too late. Poppy stubs her right toe. The Irish dancing teacher's name is Colleen, and she's very, very strict. Poppy learns to shuffle kick, stamp kick, and hop, stamp, bang 
She likes Irish dancing, but she has to do it exactly right, and she has to practice steps again and again. I'm starving, Poppy says after dance class, and she eats heaps. Oh, I'm whacked, she says at bedtime, and her sheets stay perfectly smooth. Sit still, child, says Miss Malumba in spelling. I'm practising my shuffle kicks, says Poppy. You're not so wriggly these days, says Gran, a few weeks later. Yes, I am, says Poppy, but I keep my wriggles for dancing. She gives a huge wriggle to show she still can. And you're filling out, says Gran. Poppy looks at her elbows. They're rounder, so are her knees, and she took off her last purple plaster on Tuesday. After practising her kick-kick flicks that night, Poppy looks in the mirror. Am I normal yet? Her hair still sticks out. But she's fatter, and her feet can stand still. Poppy flops on her bed and shuts her eyes. She thinks about her Irish dancing concert. She thinks about Mum and Dad coming home. She thinks about going out for pizza, nachos and chips. Then Poppy feels a wriggle coming on. It slides up her legs, into her bottom, right up her back and into her ears. It's the biggest wriggle she's wriggled for ages. And it feels good. Some days I have wriggle times, do you? It's a bit of a nuisance, isn't it? Enough of wriggles now. We're beginning Black Day. It's about a school science fair and some kids making a black hole. Chapter 1 Okay, people, Miss Lye told Room 12 on Wednesday morning. It's just three weeks until the science fair. Fair enough, said Chad. So, today you start choosing your projects, Miss Lye went on. I've made a list with some ideas. I'll help you, Jordan told Chad. You need a hand? I'll help you too, Keisha told the boys. You need a brain. I'll help you, three, Zoe told the boys and Keisha. You need a kick. It's Sean Simpson who needs a kick, added Jordan. Yeah, Betty gets his father to give him special stuff for his project, sighed Chad. He always does. The four of them glared at Sean, who hadn't even bothered to look at Miss Lye's list. Sean sneered back at them. Chad, Jordan, Zoe and Keisha started going through the list. Cool topic. Boring topic. Way cool. No way. They jumped as a scrunched up bit of paper landed on Chad's desk. Sean Simpson smirked at them. His friends Ben and she were watching. We don't want your list, Zoe told Sean. We don't want it either, Sean replied. My old man will find a project for us. We've got to beat him, Jordan muttered. Yeah, said the other three. But how? Zoe asked. They all looked at one another and shrugged. Then Chad spoke. We'll go to the observatory and ask my auntie Kim for some ideas. Chapter 2 Chad's auntie Kim was a science teacher at the high school. Well, she had been a science teacher at the high school. That was until she started up with the crazy inventions. First, she invented some new plant pots. 
but the pots ate their plants. Second, she invented a new whiteboard marker, but the marker turned people's hands purple. Third, she invented a laser-powered mobile phone, but the mobile phone melted its way down through the floor, the basement and the ground below. So now Auntie Kim looked after the observatory on Western Heights and did her experiments there. That's perfect, said Keisha when she heard. After all, your auntie is really a spaced out. After school, Chad, Keisha and Jordan headed up to Western Heights and the white dome of the observatory. Zoe was going to join them after detention. Not fair, she told the others. I didn't do anything. You put a dead sparrow in Bean's locker, Keisha said, and a live worm and cheese. So, said Zoe, Ben always chickens out of things, and she always wriggles out of things. The observatory door was half open when they arrived. A humming, howling sound came from inside. Red lights and blue lights flashed. You go first, Jordan, said Chad. You go first, Chad, said Jordan. You go first, both, said Keisha, and shoved the boys through the doorway. Chad's auntie stood at one end of the main room. A medium-sized blue globe hung and spun and flashed from the ceiling near her. A smaller red globe flashed and spun and hung nearby. A machine like a torch crossed with a missile launcher sat on a table, howling and humming. Hello, people, called Auntie Kim. Come in. After you, Chad, said Jordan. After you, Jordan, said Chad. Keisha shoved them both in again. Auntie Kim pressed a switch, and things stopped spinning, flashing, humming, and howling. What can I do for you guys? she asked. We need some science fair ideas, Chad said. He told his aunt about the fair, which was just three weeks away. Jordan told her about their list of ideas. Keisha told her about Sean Simpson. So you want a really hot project? Auntie Kim asked. Chad remembered the laser-powered mobile phone and gulped. You could do the Big Bang, Auntie Kim said, the explosion that started the universe. Trouble is, you'd have to blow up the whole universe to do it. Uh, anything else? asked Jordan. Auntie Kim looked thoughtful. You could do the surface of Venus, red hot with dozens of volcanoes, or show an asteroid hitting Earth and wiping out nearly all life, like the one that helped kill off the dinosaurs. Uh, anything else? asked Keisha. Chad's aunt looked thoughtful again. While she thought, Zoe came in. How about eclipses? Auntie Kim suggested. Solar eclipses, where the moon blots out the sun. Plants close up and birds go to sleep. Or lunar eclipses, where the Earth's shadow covers the moon and turns it red. Yeah, said Keisha, Chad and Jordan all together. No, said Zoe. Sean Simpson's already doing it. Chapter 3 Jordan stared at Zoe. How do you know? She and Ben told me when I was going into detention, so I whacked them with my bag. Now I've got another at detention. The two boys kicked at the floor. 
the two girls kicked at the table legs. Then Zoe pointed at the two globes and the torch missile launcher. What's that? Auntie Kim smiled. My latest experiment. Astronomers think our moon was formed billions of years ago when a huge asteroid slammed into Earth. I'd like to slam Sean Simpson into a planet, muttered Zoe. Jed's aunt pointed at the globes. This blue one is Earth. The red one is the asteroid. This magnetic beam, she pointed at the torch thing, will send asteroid crashing into planet. I'd have to be careful, though. The two of them crashing together just might make a black hole. What is a black hole exactly? Keisha asked. My bedroom, Jordan told her. That's what Mum says anyway. Auntie Kim laughed. A black hole forms when the atoms and something squash together incredibly tightly. The something, a star or meteorite or whatever, becomes so heavy it collapses inwards. It shrinks until its gravity is so powerful nothing can escape from it. A black hole sucks in anything that comes too close. That's right, Jordan agreed. Just like my bedroom. Chad had been silent. Now he spoke. That's it, our project for the science fair. We'll make a black hole. Chapter 4 Silence from the other three. Then, we can't, can we? Chad was looking at his aunt. Do you think we can make a black hole? Auntie Kim shrugged and carried on. Soon after the universe began, there were lots of mini black holes. We could do one of those, Keisha exclaimed. What were mini black holes like? They crushed things down to the size of an atom, Auntie Kim told her, and they lasted for just a second. Hmm, maybe we couldn't do that, Keisha sighed. Chad shook his head. We don't have to make a real black hole, just a project showing how it happens, with diagrams and models and stuff. Pity, said Jordan. It would be cool if we made a real one, by accident. So what do we show in the project, asked Zoe. What makes a star or meteorite collapse inwards? Auntie Kim looked happy, like she always did when she talked about science. If a star gets hotter than 15 million degrees, a nuclear explosion happens inside it. The explosion blasts off the star's outer layers and leaves just a heavy centre. Then that starts to collapse. Now Jordan shook his head. Oh, I don't think Mrs. Lai would let us have a nuclear explosion in room 12. She's funny that way. Well, said Auntie Kim, black holes may also start when there's a big vacuum in space. The vacuum sucks things tighter and tighter together. The four kids looked thoughtful. We could have a glass jar or something with little rocks or stuff inside, said Jed. A vacuum cleaner sucking air out, said Zoe. Signs explaining it, said Keisha. We can try it out in class on Friday said Jordan. They headed for the observatory door. Tell me if you want other ideas, Auntie Kim called. She pressed a switch. Earth and the asteroid began spinning and flashing. The magnetic beam began humming and howling again. The kids glanced nervously over their shoulders. 
I'll go first, they all said. Chapter 5 In room 12 on Friday morning, the desks were covered with some seriously strange-looking science projects. One group had buckets of dirt. They were showing how seeds grew at different speeds in different soils. Outside, said Miss Lai. Another group had buckets of water. They were showing how different fireworks burned with different colours. Outside, said Miss Lai again. At Sean Simpson's desk, Sean, she and Ben were laying out shiny metal discs labelled Earth, Sun and Moon plus two new electric motors. Sean looked across at Chad's desk and sniggered. What's that junk? On Chad's desk stood a big glass tube. Auntie Kim had used it in an experiment to try and make alien life, and there were still a few green smears inside it. On Keisha's desk was a sign. A black hole really sucks. Beside the desk lay Zoe's Nana's old vacuum cleaner. The four kids took no notice of Sean. Jordan was busy sticking lengths of cotton with little stones tied to them onto the inside of the tube. These were the things that the vacuum would pull together. The vacuum cleaner nozzle poked into the tube. Black tape covered the tube's end. Looks interesting, people, Miss Lai said. Chad grinned. Watch when it starts going. Over by the wall, Jordan turned on the vacuum cleaner. The cleaner whined. The nozzle sucked. Inside the tube, the stones trembled and shook. They began to edge together, closer and closer, until they almost touched. Wow, it's doing what Auntie Kim said it would, Chad gasped. The vacuum is pulling stuff together. Maybe it is going to make a real black hole, Zoe shrieked. It can't, said Keisha. Can it? The stones were starting to touch. The vacuum cleaner kept sucking. The stones pressed closer together. Then the vacuum cleaner suddenly whooshed and roared. Inside the tube, the stones flew apart. Some smashed against the glass. The vacuum cleaner nozzle jerked from side to side. The tape tore away. The tube rolled across the table, dropping stones and string everywhere. Jordan rushed over to the vacuum cleaner. Someone's turned it to blow. From his table, near the cleaner, they heard Sean Simpson snigger. Straight away they knew what had happened. They glared at him. They stared at each other. None of them spoke. None of them needed to. They'd made their minds up. They were going to beat Sean Simpson in the science fair. Somehow. Chapter 6 Auntie Kim was away over the weekend, getting equipment for some new experiments, so the kids couldn't do any work on their science fair project until Monday. When Keisha, Chad and Jordan reached the observatory on Monday afternoon, Zoe had detention, Chad's aunt was screwing steel tubes to a steel chair. A rocket-powered seat, she explained. The test pilot gets blasted up into the air, they carry a watch to measure how time goes slower when you move really fast. It's just the right size for one of you. Chad spoke up quickly. We're busy with our black hole project, sorry. 
Sean Simpson stuffed up our first idea. So, Auntie, what other ways can you make a black hole? Auntie Kim thought. Well, there are neutron stars where every part of every atom is squashed together. A teaspoon of them weighs as much as a thousand space shuttles. If two neutron stars orbit each other, their gravity may pull them together. Finally, they smash into each other and wham! A black hole. Holy, said Chad. A black hole is so powerful, Auntie Kim went on, compared to other stars. It's like Tyrannosaurus Rex compared to a lizard. Awesome, Jordan exclaimed. We'll call our black hole Rex. What happens inside a black hole? Keisha wanted to know. Auntie Kim looked pleased at the chance to talk about science again. Nobody knows. You can't see inside them. But scientists think all the matter is squeezed together until it's as small as the head of a pin. It becomes so heavy it might burst through into another universe. That would be a cool display, Keisha said. Yeah, but where do we get a couple of neutron stars? Chad asked. I haven't seen any at our supermarket. We could have baby stars, Jordan said. Make one of those mini black holes that only last for a second. Just then, the observatory door opened and Zoe came in. I don't have any more detentions. She and Ben stayed out of my way. Zoe likes Ben, Keisha whispered. Zoe glared. I do not. Chad was thinking. We could get some old clocks with minute hands and second hands. Then we could stick coloured shapes on them. They could be like the neutron stars orbiting each other. Yeah, agreed Keisha. And they could get closer and closer on each clock. And we could have signs saying what the neutron stars were doing, said Zoe. Star signs. Made by me, said Jordan. I'm a star. Chapter 7 on Wednesday afternoon, room 12 was filled again with science fair projects, except for the seed growers who were outside spilling buckets of dirt and the fireworks testers who were outside spilling buckets of water. On the table where Sean Simpson, she and Ben sat, a model was taking shape. On it, two electric motors turned metal discs labelled Earth, Sun and Moon. Ben and she were doing all the work. Sean just sat and smirked. He smirked most of all at where Chad and his friends were laying out their display. Four very old, very different clocks from Jordan's uncle's spare room, Chad's father's shed, Zoe's nana's kitchen and Keisha's sister's play box lay on their backs, ticking and whirring. On the hands of three of the clocks, red-painted table tennis balls were glued. On Jordan's uncle's clock, the balls were well apart. On the hands of the next two clocks, they were closer and closer, until they almost touched. On Keisha's sister's clock, the red table tennis balls were squashed together in the centre. They'd chosen Keisha's sister's clock because it had no hands, plus the balls covered up the teddy bear face in the middle. Signs stood beside each clock. The neutron stars begin orbiting each other. Gravity pulls them closer. They collide. They form a black hole, a gateway to another universe. 
Man, it would be cool to have a tame black hole, Jordan said. You could train it to swallow up all the rubbish in your room. Here, holy holy, here, Rex. Other kids in the class wandered over to see the black hole display. Ben and she wandered over too. Ben looked at Zoe, who looked at Ben, and they both went red. Sean Simpson hissed something, and the two boys hurried back to their own model. Miss Sly came over as well. She read the signs and looked at the clocks with their slowly orbiting table tennis balls. I like the way you've used your imaginations, she said. That's real inventing. Chad saw a nasty look cross Sean's face, but he didn't care. Yeah, their model did look good. And for the science fair, they could fix up last week's vacuum cleaner idea and include it. Plus any more ideas Auntie Kim had. More kids were standing around the display now, asking questions. Ben and she wandered over again. Keisha began to explain how if you tried to get inside a black hole, the hole's huge gravity would stretch you out like spaghetti. Yuck! Jad made a face. I think I'll stick to baked beans. That made everyone laugh. Most of the class had crowded around the table by this time. People at the back were even climbing on chairs to see. Be careful, Miss Ly warned. We don't want... Suddenly, kids lurched and staggered. People grabbed other people. Bodies reeled. Another lurch came, and they collapsed forward across the display. Tables spun sideways. Clocks crashed onto the ground. Their dials cracked open. Their hands snapped off. The table tennis balls came away and bounced across the floor. Their feet trod on them. Slowly, people picked themselves up and gaped at the wreckage. Then a voice spoke from the back. Oh, gosh. Somebody must have tripped, eh? It was Sean Simpson. He stood there, sneering. Once again, Chad and his friends didn't speak. They didn't need to. They all knew what the others were thinking. They had to beat Sean Simpson in the science fair. Chapter 8 They headed up to Western Heights in the observatory on Friday afternoon. They'd meant to go on Thursday, but Zoe was in detention again for announcing that she was going to kick Sean Simpson. No violence in this class, Miss Lye said sternly. Jordan looked puzzled. It's not violence. It's pest removal. So Jordan got detention too. Outside the observatory's front door, the four kids peered through the keyhole for any signs of flashing or spinning. They listened for any sounds of humming, howling or rocket blasting. Nothing. Just a faint, crunching noise. You go first, Chad, said Jordan. You go first, said Chad, before the girls pushed them both in. Auntie Kim was standing by the fridge in one corner. She was crunching broken ice into balls and sprinkling the balls with dirt from a plastic container. Uh, haven't you had lunch? Keisha asked. I'm making comets, said Auntie Kim, for Christmas presents. I knew that, said Zoe. That's what comets are, Auntie Kim went on. Big chunks of dirt, ice and snow, drifting through space. When they get near a star, the heat melts their surface and it streams off to make the comet's glowing tail. So your Christmas presents are going to drift through space, asked Jordan. I haven't decided, 
I might find some way of firing them to land at people's front doors. The trouble is, real comets travel at about 30,000 kilometres an hour. We've come for more ideas, Keisha said, as Auntie Kim put her comets in the freezer. Sean Simpson stuffed up our neutron star display too. Are there any other ways a black hole can start? asked Zoe. Auntie Kim thought. Well, there's the Large Hadron Collider. Jordan stared. What's a Large Hatson Glider? The Large Hadron Collider, Chad's aunt corrected him. It's a huge steel tunnel like a circle, buried in the ground. Scientists fire tiny particles of matter and antimatter called hadrons around it in opposite directions, so they crash into each other. Sounds like my nana's driving, Zoe said. Your nana's driving doesn't make a black hole, Auntie Kim grinned. These little particles hit each other at a thousand kilometres a second. They hit so hard, they vanish. We can make a model of a large thingy-wushy, eh, Keisha said, and another display on how a black hole would stretch you out like spaghetti. I still reckon it would be cool if we made a real one, said Jordan. We might make Sean Simpson vanish. Did you know black holes make noises? Auntie Kim told them. They make an incredibly low roaring sound as they suck in stars and things. It's the lowest sound in the whole universe. Jordan looked interested. We should make a recording of Sean. He's the lowest life form in the whole universe. Wow, whoever thought science could be so interesting. Oh, and such fun. Though Sean is a mega egg, isn't he? We'll read some black hole next time. Goodbye. Happy reading. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.